Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with the only two twins that put the sexy in fantasy football. There is no sexy. clearly a sexy right in the middle of it. Right. That's right. Just like this show, there's two twins and a sexy right in the middle of it. And sexy football. (laughs) <laughs> You're not getting any sexier football than this, the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. Before we get started today, we just want to thank everyone who has visited BrotoFantasy.com. Uh, the traffic on the website has been up significantly, and we thank you very much for checking out what we have uh, in store. For those of you who don't know, BrotoFantasy.com is where you can find the articles, uh, true throw value and true target value, exclusive stats of Brodo Fantasy, um, our rankings, uh, our waivers, and tons tons more so check it out brotofantasy.com for all of your fantasy football needs and with that you guys want to get started always let's do it welcome back to the broto fantasy football podcast presented by brotofantasy.com i'm your host tim petrop with my brothers the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness Michael and Jason Petrop. So in our home league, our money league, the one that we care about the most, me and Jason are facing off against each other. And it is a very important matchup because I have found myself at five and four, even though I have the second most points in the league. That that shit that happens. Fantasy football, you're a cruel mistress. Uh, lost to Michael last week, even though I had the third highest score in the league. Michael had the highest score in the league. So fuck you, Michael. Yeah, you did. And yeah, was, I did. Michael was second to me, so... so all right, me. Jason had the highest score last week because of the return of CMC. But anyway, I'm playing Jason this week. I, that makes us the top three scorers of the week, I just realized, last week in our home league. Boo, yeah. Yakasha. Um, yeah, but Jason... Uh, this guy had CMC. <laughs> Justin Jackson. <laughs> Looks like Kenny, Kenny Galladay's not going to play. <laughs> I, I, I could not be happier. But Jason... You are one of the many CMC people who woke up today thinking CMC is going to lead me back to the championship and went and are now going to go to bed thinking, how did this guy go from day to day to week to week? We're right back in the nonsense. Damn it. How? Yes, that is. That is what happened. And it sucks. It fucking sucks. That is the analysis of a dejected fantasy football fan right there. Yes. <laughs> All right. Jason so also, Jason also drafted George Kittle, but then he traded him to me. Jeez Louise, that was upsetting. I lost George Kittle last week and I still put up the second most. I'm I'm six and three in our home league in third place with this like makeshift team that I've been putting together each week. I love it. It's been great. Yeah, Michael, you've been uh you've managed your way back from the abyss in that league. Um me on the other hand. Me, on the other hand, I'm the opposite. I'm just, like, sticking with this team that has been juggernautish all year but can't seem to put together, like, three quality weeks of just, like, absolute dominance. But anyway, <laughs> um, speaking of three quality weeks of absolute dominance, that's what you're going to get out of Derrick Henry weeks 14, 15, and 16. And the reason I tell you that is because the first game we are going to start with is the Colts at Titans in a Thursday night showdown in the AFC South. I want to start with Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry, his last game that he just played was this first game without a target all season. This season, he's been getting 7.4% of the target share. Now, that is his highest percent of target share in his entire career. 
that is something to be very aware of because this is also the time throughout Derrick Henry's career that he turns up the volume. From week 10 on last season, he finished as a top five overall back, top five overall back four of the five weeks that he played. Again, he didn't play in week 16 because of the injury. And that's not including his number one overall finish in week 17 because we don't count week 17 out here. Um, Combine that with the fact that he's actually catching some balls. And I think Derrick Henry is a guy who is going to win some people some championships. And I think he starts it in this matchup against the Colts. Yeah, Derrick Henry is an absolute monster. There's no denying it. And he's one of those guys that, as the season progresses, just gets better and better. And we've seen it year after year. And with the the way that Tennessee offense has been rolling this year, they haven't been this good of a complete unit in years. And they that offense is looking scary. And Derrick Henry, I know last week was a little bit of a down week, but I agree with you, Tim, that he is someone you certainly like whatever his asking price is currently in your league, it's likely too low. Like this is someone I want in my league weeks 14, 15, 16 on my team. I mean, so I agree with you. It's someone I would target. And I don't know if that starts this week though. I think this week he might have another one of those 25 touches, 80 yards, hopefully finds the end zone type gains because the Indianapolis defense has just been glorious all season long. They've only allowed four top 24 running backs this season, which is number one in the league. And Derrick Henry doesn't have pass catching to fall back on either. So he's going to have to do it through efficiency and just running it down their throats. Thursday game, maybe that helps him gain an advantage, but... Look, if you have Derrick Henry, you're firing him up. I'm just I don't think this is gonna be one of those blow up games. I think he's gonna be a little bit touchdown dependent in this one. I do think that this game does set up though to be a kind of ball control type game where Derrick Henry, who does what he does at this time of the year, kind of wears out an offense and then in the fourth quarter you see him explode for a touchdown or two or a big run. Um, I think that that could be the game script for this one, especially on a short week you give the advantage to Derrick Henry over the defense who hasn't had the proper time to really get it together. Uh, But yeah, we were talking about the schedule. Derrick Henry faces the Colts, Ravens, and Colts again the next three weeks. But after that, Browns, Jaguars, Lions, Packers to end the Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. I love it. I want some more of it. Speaking of Mm. I love it, uh, A.J. Brown is basically a locked and loaded wide receiver one as Locked and loaded as you can possibly be in fantasy right now. Did it again last game. He'll do it again this game. A.J. Brown's locked and loaded. 100%. A.J. always jumping. Jamming, always jumping Brown. Dude, <laughs> there's nothing he doesn't do. He now has a touchdown in five straight games. He has six touchdowns in those five games. That's what happens when you play for the true value king, Ryan Tannehill. And sure, the indie defense has been decent, but Michael noted recently that um, they have gotten worse as the season has gotten has gotten further along. You're firing up AJ Brown happily as a wide receiver one. Their uh, their pass catching defense has lightened up a little bit as the season has progressed. And last week they played Baltimore. I don't really think that has that shows anything when it comes to blocking pass catchers because as we've seen this year Lamar Jackson is not a big threat when it comes to throwing the football interesting interesting to note is that you you talked about their their 
lightening up on on the pass. Their num- the number two receiver against the Colts has actually been good. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, been bad uh, against the Colts. It's the number one receiver who's been doing most of the damage. I think that's because in the beginning of the year, as it was transitioning, Xavier Rhodes was kind of that number two guy. Corey Davis, donut last week, and he's facing the harder matchup, even though now uh, it does look like Rocky Sin has been re- relegated to the number two guy rather than, and Xavier Rhodes has moved over to number one guy because he's just been outplaying uh, Yassin. Um, Corey Davis, how do you feel about him in this game? I'm uh, I'm fine with Corey Davis as a wide receiver three, man. I'm following true <laughs> values here. <laughs> Damn it, Jay. Right when I get Jason <laughs> to kind of kind of buy into Corey Davis, he goes and puts up a donut against Chicago, man. And Ryan Tannehill completed, what, like 12 passes the entire game? Ten. 10 passes the entire game exactly and look I'm I'm buying into Corey Davis still this week I have him as a wide receiver three mid-range it's another difficult matchup but a short week I expect him to be involved again Ryan Tannehill is going to complete more than 10 passes true values say this guy is good number 11 in true values he should be good should be good exactly that's a problem he should have been good his entire career but this season, he actually has been good. This donut was only his second time out of six games outside wide receiver three territory. He has a few wide receiver one finishes. I'm I'm rolling him out there as a wide receiver three. I'm giving him another shot this week. Look, you can talk about the number two receiver. What I want to talk about is the Jonu Smith disrespect. Yo, Travis Kelsey is on a bye. George Kittle is injured. Zach Ertz is injured. And the expert consensus ranking is Jonu Smith out of the top 12. Look, I get that he hasn't been getting that much work recently, but geez, he was the number eighth tight end last week just because he caught a touchdown. The number eighth. <laughs> he finished his number eight <laughs> just because he caught a touchdown. Like, what are you doing? Stop trying to be mad cute. Jonu Smith is a good option. And not for nothing, I know he only saw two targets again. It's a, it's certainly an issue seeing that little targets, but he played 94% of the snaps. I mean, he's fully back from the injury that he was dealing with. I agree. If I have Johnny Smith in this tight end landscape, I'm more than likely starting him. And that was he, a has, weird game, he has as good a chance as anyone to find the end zone when it comes to the tight end position. It was a weird game, and he still produced. Jonas- the only, the game, only the game against Minnesota this year has Ryan Tannehill not had at least two touchdowns. Jonu Smith or Irv Smith? Jonu. Jonu Smith or Mark Andrews? I'm going to say Jonu over everyone you say. First off, it's Jonu. I don't know what's going Jonu. on while you guys decided yeah, to Jonu. 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 Jonu Smith or Mark Jonu. Andrews? Jonu. I'm talking to I Michael. I have them. I think I have them back-to-back in my rankings, actually. That's a tough call. Jonu but Smith. I'm going, I'm going Jonu. Or Jared Cook. <clears throat> Jonu. Jonu. All right, there you go. Adam Humphreys, I think, is also a sneaky play in this one because the Colts nope. are 23rd in DVOA against the the uh, the slot receiver, and you know he's coming back from a concussion, so be aware. But yeah, I just you know you know just had to say him. Let's go over to the Colts side. Michael Pittman's the big story. I feel like he made a strong return with Ty Hilton out last week. Seven targets, four catches, 56 yards, a couple of inches away from a huge game. It feels like. Every week we say that for a Colts receiver, he just missed a big bomb. Um, T.Y., though, is coming back. 
How do you feel about Michael Pittman and the rest of these receivers, not relievers? Yeah, that is unfortunate because in typical fashion as well, Zach Pascal was pretty decent last week. Every time he's pushed into a bigger role, he puts up decent numbers. It's upsetting that T.Y. Hilton's coming back. I'm not going to lie because he's been buns all year, but he gets work. And I thought that uh, Michael Pittman was going to be a honestly a solid wide receiver three option on Thursday if Hilton was out. So I did move him back into flex territory afterwards. But of the bunch, Michael Pittman's a guy I like the most. He's the youngest player with the most potential. We've seen Hilton is past his prime at this point. And the Colts, the Titans have a vulnerable secondary. So someone on that team is going to do well. Like one of those receivers has to do well. It's yeah, hard I'm- to know which one, but I'd bet on Pittman. I agree with Jason here because, I mean, even the uh, the PFF offensive line, defensive line chart has uh, Indy with a huge advantage in both the running and defensive game when it comes to the offensive and defensive line. So they like the uh, Indy offensive line a lot more. And Tennessee is one of three teams this season. Um, it's Tennessee, Atlanta, and Seattle, the only three teams allowing over 200 yards receiving per game to opposing wide receivers. I have Michael Pittman as a strong flex play. He played 87% of the snaps last week as well. In his second week back, up from 70% the week prior. Zach Pascal went down to 60%. Marcus Johnson was up there playing 88% of snaps. Uh, Jack Doyle is out with a concussion. Allie Cox is banged up. I think Pittman is a very sneaky play this week, and I do do think he's a very solid guy to put into your flex, especially if you're dealing with some... uh, bi-week crunches you mentioned that those tight end tennessee has been really horrible against the tight end this week i mean this year this year i'm sorry and you know you'd think the tight end in this game is a good start but you know you, we don't know which one we we mentioned mo ali cox came out of nowhere with four catches just missed right off his hands again another another situation here a touchdown in the end zone trey burton only one catch all of last week and it was trey burton who looked like he was on the way to becoming the starter here how do you feel about this Tennessee, the, the tight ends here? And I mean, who do you start of, of Molly Cox and Trey Burton? Yeah, Michael touched on it a little. Um, Jack Doyle is injured. So uh, that is a positive development for Ali Cox and Burton. No offense to Jack Doyle in real life. Uh, mm-hmm. And it seemed like Burton might have the tight end position all to himself. Molly Cox missed Monday's practice of the knee injury, but he did practice in full today and he's questionable for tomorrow. I expect him to play. I would prefer Burton of the two, but it's unfortunate that both. It would have been better for Burton, obviously, if Ali Cox wasn't playing. But I do think Burton has some appeal because if Doyle's out, Burton should see four to five to six targets, and that might be enough for him to find the end zone. Rank these three backs in the order you'd rather have them for this week and then for rest of season. The three backs in this backfield, Jonathan Taylor. Um, why am I blanking on John, uh, Jordan Wilkins and uh, Naheem Hines? This is a glorious matchup for that backfield, so it's upsetting that it's a three-headed monster. I mean, they played Taylor played 21 snaps last week. Hines and Wilkins both played 23 snaps. Like, that's how down the middle it is. But for me, it's Wilkins this week, then Taylor, then Hines. Um, Indy's a very difficult defense. I'm not trusting five to seven touches out of Naheem Hines for production. I want the guy who's most likely to run in uh, to find the end zone. And Jonathan Taylor last week, after he lost that fumble, was basically relegated to backup duties. And this is back-to-back weeks now where Jordan Wilkins not only outplayed Jonathan Taylor, but got more work. And 
I don't see why that changes this week. Maybe they just go back to Jonathan Taylor and they're like, all right, you fumbled last week, but now it's your job again. But literally nothing Jonathan Taylor this has done this year has said this guy needs all the work in that backfield. And Jordan Wilkins, every time he gets the opportunity, plays pretty damn well. So I like Jordan Wilkins here over Jonathan Taylor. Because uh, I'm the Taylor. Jason, do you agree, with, do you agree with that uh, assessment? I agree, yes. So then, Jason, you give me your list. How would you list these running backs rest of season? Taylor Wilkins Hines. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Jordan Wilkins is a good player. It's definitely between Taylor and Wilkins, but uh, I don't know. These these guys might give you headaches for the rest of the season. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? No. All right, let's move on. The second game on the docket, Texans at the Browns. Let's start with the big news. David Johnson did not practice today. Usually, if someone does not practice on Wednesday with a concussion, then that means they are going to miss the game. So, David Johnson looks like he might miss his game. Duke Johnson, hallelujah, finally, the thing that everyone has waited for, he actually got the majority of work in the absence of David Johnson, nearly 90% of the carries, 13% of the targets, and he produced with them. If David Johnson is out, I think Duke Johnson is obviously a, a strong running back play here. Yeah, I couldn't uh, agree more. Go ahead, Jay. Uh, we're looking at a workhorse running back, basically. Like, they're talking about bringing up a rookie from the practice squad, but Duke Johnson's going to get most of the work if David Johnson's out unless he pulls a Aaron, uh, fucking Allen Robinson and heals from a concussion on Saturday. And Duke Johnson, all his peripherals say he's better than David. So if he's going to get the work, look, he wasn't even that productive against Jacksonville, but 20 touches led to a running back nine finish overall. And if he gets 20 touches, he's going to be a top 12 running back. I have him at 12 right now. Yeah, I got him at RB15. I think he's a super strong RB2. And this isn't like jumping the gun like, you know how much we hate David Johnson. Now that he's gone, we're just saying, yeah, go Duke Johnson. He's going to be so much better. This is legitimately David Johnson got hurt, and then Duke Johnson played over 80% of the snaps. Like, he is going to be on the field 80-plus percent of the time this week against Cleveland if uh, if David Johnson does, in fact, miss the game, and he's going to be in line for a ton of work. We talk about funnel offenses a lot. Will Fuller is a fucking 72 font capital G. Um, love Will Fuller. And... <laughs> and a what? A 72, 72 font, font capital G. That's right. Uh, love Will Fuller. And then uh, gotta love Brandon Cooks and what he's been giving you. These two pass catching options, gotta love it. And I even like a little Randall Cobb. I, I, I would not be mad at you if you started Randall Cobb in your flex this week or in, as is your wide receiver three if you really need it. I wish you guys could see Jason's face when Tim said 72 font capital G and just how confused he was. 72 font is the highest font you can go on Microsoft Word. You know this. Come on, no way, dude. It's the one It's the one that you, in, unless you before put you it. Before you have to type. Before you have to type higher. Yeah. Whatever you say. Um, you want to talk about the receivers or what? what the, on, the Google Doc, <laughs> on Google Docs, 96 is the max, but no, it's on, I'll give him a 96. 96 capital G. Will Fuller. Hey, yo. Anyways, uh, Will Fuller has six straight games now, I believe, with a touchdown, set a Houston record, um, has about as good of a shot as any to make that a seven-game streak this week against Cleveland. Cleveland is very beatable through the air. We saw Joe Burrow before his bye just absolutely destroy uh, Cleveland through the air, and that's how you've been beating them this year. 
I think Fuller is a locked and loaded wide receiver one. And with the way that offense has been rolling since Bill O'Brien left, Deshaun Watson has been a star. I also have Brandon Cooks as wide receiver 14. So I think they're both very, very strong plays this week. Brandon Cooks has been a top 20 receiver in three out of four, uh, three out of the four last games for Houston. I also have Brandon Cooks at 15. I mean, he's a good play. That's it. Like, if you're seeing nine targets a game from Deshaun Watson, it's not that complicated. Start that guy. Facty fact facts. Um, Tight end situation, uh, is it worth talking about here? Aikens should come back this week, um, which means you probably – I mean, sorry, he came back last week. So I don't think that, like, you want to start either of these guys unless one is injured as mean as that sounds to them in real life. Yeah, very, very touchdown dependent otherwise. All right, let's go over to the Brown side then. Ladies and gentlemen, start your Browns. Jake, give me the Luton, had himself a game against Houston last week, um, and they've been really disgusting against the pass, man. 27th in DVOA against the running back out of the backfield as well. 25th against the tight end. Very simply, start Hooper. Chubb, if he starts, which he might, you start him. You start Cream Hunt for damn sure. I like Higgins and Landry as as options. I like Higgins a little more this week, and I like Baker as a streamer. This Houston offense has been horrible against the pass, and I and I foresee it continuing. And uh, yeah, I think start your Browns. I'm I'm down with everyone. I want to slow your roll a little bit. Um, Agreed. I don't <laughs> want anyone starting Baker Mayfield. In my opinion, I'm gonna I am going to be starting Baker Mayfield in my dynasty league, and I'm going to be doing it well. And if you're streaming quarterbacks, I think Baker Mayfield's a good streamer. This Baker week. Mayfield has completed. 12 or fewer passes in two of his last three games, and he has one game inside the top 15 this year. Well, he's about to make it two. I don't care how good the match is. I'm not starting him. If you forgot, Jay, Tim thinks Baker Mayfield without OBJ catapults him from, like, trash to all-star. I don't don't think it goes Mm. that far, but I think that in this game (laughs) against a really, really bad pass defense, yes. I I do do want to talk about my boy Hollywood Higgins. Go ahead, I don't think he's getting enough love. He's already, he's all the way back at 51 in ECR because people just forget how to rank once players come off by, apparently. Um, that's been a trend. Jarvis Landry, too, I feel like is too low. Uh, he had a good game. He he had 11 targets absent OBJ and caught should have caught a touchdown. Um, so I like both of them as options because, like you said, the defense is awful. I just don't trust Mayfield as a start. Those two guys I like, though. So I was I'm actually on the opposite end here with Hollywood Higgins because he played 71% of snaps last week. Kaderil Hodge came off IR and played 69% of snaps, one less snap than Rashard Higgins. And Kaderil Hodge was the guy behind OBJ and Landry prior to his injury weeks one, two, and three when Rashard Higgins wasn't playing. And not because Rashard Higgins was injured. Kaderil Hodge was just ahead of him on the depth chart. Hodge came back from IR and then basically split work with him. I want to see how this plays out for another week because Austin Hooper's returning. I think Austin Hooper is a very good play this smash, week, like Tim said. Play. Tight end one possibility. Yeah, I think Austin Hooper, even with appendectomy and coming off injury, I'm starting him right away, especially with the tight end landscape. And Landry, I agree with Jay. I think he's being disrespected in the rankings a bit. He played well last time he played um, against Las Vegas, even in like a monsoon type of weather game and with no OBJ he's gonna be a target hog so I'm 
I'm not on the Higgins bandwagon this week. I want to see how the Higgins Hodge, um, how Higgins Hodge plays out as the uh, second option behind Landry among the receivers. Sounds like a barbecue spot. I'm going to go to Higgins Hodge yeah, tonight. Uh, get yours at Higgins Hodge. Um, <laughs> what about Chubb and Hunt? How do you feel about this backfield? And are you are you jumping right back in the Chubb pool? Yeah, yeah, Fire for sure. Up. And and Hunt, yeah. and he's been better with Chubb, so I expect that to continue. Even if Chubb doesn't get a ton of work in his return, this dude, I think he leads the league in runs over 20 yards, and he's been out since, like, week four. That's how good he is. People people seem to forget player talent when they get injured for a couple of weeks for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I'm definitely firing up Chubb if he's, I do if he's active say, and playing. Grab Austin Hooper, please, because besides Baltimore in week 14, his schedule the rest of the year... Is Houston, Philly, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Giants, Jets. Okay. You're looking at a tight end one, people. Yeah. Oh, baby. Um, let's go over. Uh, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? No. How, Donovan Peoples-Jones is how, a fun name. How do you feel about uh, Gimme the Luton? Jake, Gimme the Luton. I'm glutton for some Luton. No. Why okay. are you asking us about Jake Luton right now? We're not on the Jags. I know, but I just I, that was the nickname I just gave him, and I thought it was cool, but I guess it's not. So I'm I'm just gonna go fuck myself then. All right, All next right. next one is the Buccaneers at the Panthers. The Buccaneers looking to to bounce back from one of the worst games I've ever seen. Speaking of that matchup against Michael, we were tied going into uh, Sunday night, and it was cool. I think there was a .02 difference between mine and your scores. Pretty cool. Kamara versus Newton. Now, everyone knows Newton came out on top on that battle. But Kamara didn't play the entire fourth quarter because Brady and the Bucks suck so bad. Damn you. Um, one guy that we might think is out of play is Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones, his two lowest snap share games of the year have been his last two games. But it's important to remember context. He did this. He did start both games as the main back. The first one fumbled, didn't play again. Second one got game scripted out of the game, and Leonard Fournette has become the pass catching back. He's got six catches in each of the last two weeks. This is a great matchup for Carolina. Carolina has been terrible against running backs. I am uh, on the under the impression here, and I'm under the the belief that you can start both these guys, and they could both be flex options. Yeah, right. how um, do you guys feel? <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with that. I do think. I agree with you. A lot of people are just jumping onto the Fournette bandwagon now when they see snap share and target count. But I'm with you. We saw Ronald Jones even last week against Carolina. I was upset about it because I was like, I can't believe this is still happening against New Orleans. Thank you. But Ronald Jones was the guy who started that game. And yeah, he got game scripted out once they went down big and Leonard Fournette came in and Leonard Fournette's the pass catching option. But if they're going to go into Carolina and run the ball down their throats, Ronald Jones, I do agree, should be a solid flex play because I would not be surprised if this ends up more of a 50-50 split rather than what we've seen these past two weeks with the way they, uh, they've they been going. Because Rojo, he got taken out a couple weeks ago because he lost a fumble. And then last week because of game script. But both times he started the game. I don't see why that would change this week against Carolina, who gives up a ton of... And when we say a ton, we mean a ton of work on the ground. I think they're both. Uh, I I prefer Fournette slightly, but I would not at all be surprised if Rojo ends up being the one of these two that has the better game. 
I just I agree with everything you said. I just think you have to prefer Fournette just because there's no chance that he doesn't see the field for three quarters. And with Rojo, it's a very real chance because the guy can't fucking hold on to a ball, whether it's a fumble or a drop pass. Yeah, it's he's, true. He's been having the issues. It's, it, you know, he's been running well, but you know how how long does that make up for the other issues he's been having? Drop passes, fumbles. Um, let's go over to the wide receiver core because this wide receiver core was supposed to be the 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 new second coming of the greatest show on turf. And oh my god, all these weapons and all and they came out and laid a dud. Now we know Mike Evans usually struggles against Marshawn Lattimore. I'm going to start with Mike Evans because, Michael, you tweeted something today about how you were right about fading Mike Evans in the offseason, and this is just proof of that. Um, you know, Jason actually tweeted that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, shout yeah. out Jay for uh, respecting me. Got to show some of the true values, man. People got to wake up and want, look at him. I'm tired of seeing air yard sighted. Yeah. For real. I will tell you this. Like, from us to – from our ears to yours, air yards is one of the most useless stats in the history of football. In history of football. Useless. It's just useless. Who gives a fuck if you received a 50-yard pass down the sideline that was uncatchable? And now you're a wide receiver one, according to many people, because of the air yards. Yeah, I Pissing mean. me the fuck off. <laughs> Talking about the Bucks, though, the the plus thing to look at is air yards. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Justin Watson, they've all been annoying peasants. Peasant? That's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, annoying. Peasants. Like, what's the, like, the, something with a P, an animal. I don't know. Like They've pheasant, been annoying. Like a pheasant. Like a pheasant. Pheasants, yes. All year. <laughs> Wait, what is an annoying pheasant? They're just annoying pheasants. Like a little well, pheasant. Like little rats. Are you trying to say, like, an annoying presence, and you decided to make no, it an animal instead? No, pheasant, no, bro. Of a pheasant. Yeah, pheasant is like a rat or some shit. It's yeah, but who has ever in the world said an annoying pheasant? I listen. You're a peasant. <laughs> it's right? with a, it, and it's, a peasant, and it's with a ph too, pheasant. Yeah, because I'm fat with a ph. Look, those pheasants. Apparently, it have tastes been like annoying. Apparently, it tastes like turkey. Um, Yum. wild pheasant. Just so you know. Wow, it's not a rat. It's a bird. All right. Who? No, that's a <laughs> no. It's not a bird. Oh yeah, there. It is a bird. It is a bird. Now that yeah. I think about we're it, we're both wrong. Some people pheasant. Pheasant. Bird. Yeah. I've seen it on like chopped. Annoying pheasant is definitely not a phrase. All right, so those annoying pheasants <laughs> have been annoying all year. And all I want to say to note is that that basically became Antonio Brown's job. So it's a, now a team that runs a lot of three wide receiver sets with three receivers on the field a lot. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. It's possible for all of them to be relevant because the combination of Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, and Justin Watson has been relevant. It's just that weekly, all three aren't going to thrive. Yeah. Um, uh, how do you feel about Antonio Brown? Mike, we, we talked about Mike Evans. Like, let's start. Let's get, do the whole thing. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans and um, Chris Godwin all had bad games last week. How are you looking at them going forward? Um, Jason said you can't have the three guys at the same time. So how are you how are you deciding which guy to to start? And especially in this game where it on paper, it looks like there's opportunity for me. It's. Chris Godwin ahead of the pack because he kind of has been when he's been healthy this year. Even last week in an atrocious performance, he was the only one who seemed to have even any semi-decent connection with Tom Brady. Mike Evans, I don't know what's going on that offense. They decided Mike Evans is like not worth targeting 
often anymore after all these years of him being a stud. And then Antonio Brown, he came in, he played 78% of snaps, dude. So, so much for how much is Antonio Brown going to play? Like he was, it was basically three wide receiver sets with those three guys very, very often in the game. I don't know how much that has to do with them being down like 30 points. Maybe the plan was to have more two wide receiver sets and Antonio Brown on the bench a little more, but they did not seem to have a problem with letting Antonio Brown go uh, and be on the field. So for me this week against Carolina, it's a more, it's a difficult matchup, but Chris Godwin does have the best matchup of the three by far coming out of the slot. So I like him a lot more than I do the other two. And then Brown, I think is a, another boom bust wide receiver three here. Let's see how he molds with Tom Brady and, Mike Evans at this point, man, is a very touchdown-dependent flex play, I think, at best. Like, I don't see how you could put, like, have him as a top 36 option at this point, really, when the full team is healthy. Um, Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. What about Rob Gronkowski? Look, at the end of the day, Gronk had six targets last week. And the Buccaneers sucked really bad last week, so... Look at the six targets and assume that in a normal week, they're going to be the normal amount of targets that true values tell you they'll be. And that means top 12 tight end. It seems, it seems extremely complicated and simple at the same time. I'm not so congratulations, Jason. I call that the Houdini. Um, this looks like a great game for Tom Brady as well. And I think that Tom Brady is a f- is a streamer that I'd want to stream if he's still available to stream and a guy who I'd want to start over whatever person you could stream in his place. See, I'm not really on the Tom Brady bandwagon as much this week. Carolina's secondary, as odd as it seems, has been strong this year, and uh, it's not really a team to target. And a lot of their, again, a lot of the um, points coming up from quarterbacks against them He's on the ground as well, if as you would not really expect. But three rushing touchdowns against them buoys, buoys the uh, the points against a little bit, and they're still right there in the bottom half in points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So Tom Brady's a guy who needs touchdown passes to be relevant, as we've seen over and over. Like the big games, he throws four or five touchdowns. He's been great. And then last week and other weeks where he throws one or two touchdowns, you're like, damn, I should not have started Tom Brady. I am not super into the idea of starting Brady this week against Carolina, if I'm being entirely honest. This is also their second time playing Carolina. The first time out, he put up 10 fantasy points. I do think that he has some appeal, though, because Carolina has given up a decent amount of quarterback one games, and Tom Brady has been a QB1 in half his games. So, like, there's risk there, of course, but I don't think he's that bad of a back-end option. Carolina 29th in the league guarding the running back out of the backfield in the passing game. So, uh, like we said, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones might Fournette. both be both be the good nickel ones, that one's Fournette. back, as Bruce Arians calls it. Must be a fan of a nickelback. Look at this photograph. All right, then. Let's go over to the <laughs> Panther side. Um, so, Carolina has been great. Do-do. What? I thought Do-do. you were going to talk about Teddy Bridgewater, so I just have to give out a dude. Yo, you got to stop hating on Teddy Bridgewater, bro. He's not dude. the best, but he's not doo-doo either. Teddy Bridgewater, dude. Uh-huh. Tim, even last week where people were like, yo, Bridgewater actually played pretty well. Blah, blah, blah. His true value was trash again. This dude's like 28th in the league in true value. 
if I'm not mistaken. Like he just really hasn't been that good. Yeah, but like three the fact touchdowns. he just doesn't he doesn't throw interceptions often. So people are like, look at that touchdown to interception ratio, bro. He's leading that team. No, he is, they're not gonna do <laughs> shit with Bridgewater at QB, period. All right. I don't I don't see what you're seeing, but that's fine. Um, I, don't, I don't know, man. Imagine an offense with Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis yeah, Samuel man. with a legit quarterback. That yeah. is, he is a legit quarterback. Nah. I think you guys hate on him a little too much. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that he's great, but I'm also like, he doesn't suck either. He's just like in the middle. I do. Um, <laughs> anyway, one of his guys, uh, Curtis Samuel, 20% target share uh, average in the last three games, leads the team in red zone looks in those games. It, it was Robbie Anderson, and then it was DJ Moore for a couple games, and now it's Curtis Samuel. One of the things in the offseason that we said was, you know, we're kind of fading. Um, well, at least I was. I was fading Carolina players in general uh, outside of Christian McCaffrey because we just I, I didn't know what Matt Rule was going to look like and what his type of game was going to look like. If this is what we're looking at, an unpredictable offense with, a, with you know, we can't know where the ball is going to go. It's going to be annoying. It's going to be annoying because there's three guys here that could put up some work. I don't know if I'd call it unpredictable just because the guy who's arguably objectively most talented is third in the pecking order. Like, just because we want DJ Moore to get more work doesn't mean it's not clear what's happening. Robbie Anderson has maintained his role, and he hasn't been the wide receiver one uh, guy that he was early in the season, but he's settled into a decent wide receiver 2-3. And Curtis Samuel, as Michael mentioned, ever since Seth Roberts left, has become an every-down slot player. And he also gets one to four rushes a game. And he also, before he even had a big role, was the leading receiver on third down for the Panthers. He's Bridgewater's go-to guy. Like, I like seeing who quarterbacks throw to on third down because that's who they're throwing to when they need something big. And as Curtis Samuel's role has grown, he's just gotten more and more passes from... Teddy Bridgewater, and when you trust someone, you also throw it to them in the red zone. And he has four touchdowns in the last three games. So, like, I'm not saying go crazy and Curtis Samuel is going to be the best player on earth, but especially with McCaffrey out too, I'm firing up Samuel, man. I'm I'm 100% in agreement here with Jason because, dude, Curtis Samuel the last three weeks has been wide receiver 22, wide receiver 6, and wide receiver 7. And I know the first four weeks or so he was not anything in that offense and this is kind of coming out of nowhere but you have to be able to change with the times because over the last four weeks Robbie Anderson has been between wide receiver 31 and 44 he has not been a top 30 wide receiver since week five against Atlanta and Curtis Samuel has been the main guy in that offense while DJ Moore has been the one to been phased out since then so I'm with Jay here in that I'm Happily starting Curtis Samuel this week as a wide receiver three. I think Robbie Anderson is wide receiver three, wide receiver two, three territory as well. I think he's being ranked far too high. His expert consensus ranking right now is about wide receiver 15. I have him in like the late 20s. And then DJ Moore at this point is like, even when he was going well, the only reason he was going off was because he was converting short passes and turning it into big gains. Like that 50-yard touchdown against Atlanta week four was just like a ball he caught two yards ahead of the line of scrimmage and took it to the house. So it's just, I think DJ Moore is more of a high upside as always because he could always have that big game. But 
just a flex play at this point at best. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you there. Let's go to the running backs here, though, because if Christian McCaffrey doesn't play, you know, Mike Davis had his time in the sun and then he kind of fizzled out. Um, he's being called on again. This is not a great matchup. The Buccaneers defense has been very good. Uh, but if you're a Mike Davis rosterer, maybe you dropped him. Maybe you have an opportunity at him in, in one of your leagues, or maybe you kept him just in case this happened again. And here you are again faced with, do I start Mike, D- Mike Davis? How do you guys feel about him this week? Dude, as the backup running back last week, he saw five targets. Christian McCaffrey saw double-digit targets. When a quarterback is the do, they check it down a lot. And what does Teddy Bridgewater do? He checks it down a lot. So I don't care if Tampa Bay has the best run-stuffing defense in the history of run-stuffing defenses. Mike Davis is basically a receiver on that team. So you start him. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. I'm starting Mike Davis as well in this uh, in this running back economy that we're dealing with. Uh, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? A little Ian Thomas action? Never Ian Thomas. Uh, let's go over to the Eagles at the Giants. Ian Thomas is... is... Ian Thomas is like the... Uh, the Panthers IT guy. He's very he's very disappointed. Because <laughs> he was one of those Get spark it? spark guys, you know what I mean? Uh anyway. IT IT Tim like Fuck Ian Thomas. Spark, yo. Spark is almost as imaginary as fucking air yards. I mean, neither of them are imaginary, but neither of them also are cor- <laughs> like they're they're also not good <laughs> correlating uh, things. Um let's go over to the to the Eagles. Oh my god, guys, is it possible? Is this the Eagles offense we've all been waiting for? On the docket to return this week. Dallas Goddard, who's coming back after playing in last Woo-hoo! game and after uh, a bye. Alshon Jeffrey practiced in full today. Jalen Rager came back last week. Miles Woo-hoo! Sanders practiced in full today. Oh, yeah. Travis Fulgram continues to be the number one guy. I, I mean, this is a, a completely completely different Eagles offense. This is the Eagles offense we've been waiting for against the Giants defense, who's been good. But if this is the Eagles coming out party, then I could see them completely shattering this defense. Is it? Is this the is this the coming out party? And how many of these guys are you willing to play? I would be very concerned if the Eagles come out of a bye flat on offense with all these weapons back. Even Alshon Jeffries practicing in full. He looks like he's finally going to step back onto the field. I'm with you in that I think the Eagles should come out and really put together a strong offensive performance. And I'd be surprised if they didn't, man, because Carson Wentz has really struggled this year, but... He's been using his legs a bit more of late, and ever since Travis Fulgham has came on, once has been a little bit better, despite the fact that they really struggled against Dallas prior to the bye, which was atrocious. But Well, the Steelers struggled against Dallas too, so maybe there's something yeah, about word. that. Maybe Dallas's defense is just getting better as the season progresses. But, yeah, I'm with you, man. I think once – I know Jason's in love with Wentz this week, uh, so I can let Jason talk to Wentz talk on Wentz a little bit more because I think he has him as his second quarterback. Wow. Number two overall. Dude, what's not to love? Don't tell me the Giants defense is good all of a sudden because it's not. And don't tell me that Carson Wentz getting um, weapons back doesn't mean anything. Because Carson Wentz before... Look, apparently Dallas might have a good defense now because they shut down Carson Wentz and then shut down Big Ben last week. So who knows about that? But after that, he destroyed the Giants. He destroyed Baltimore. He played fairly well against Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and Cincinnati with no weapons. Miles Sanders is coming back, too. He's using his legs more this season. 
Like, I think that there he's going to come out with his weapons coming out of bye and destroy the Giants. Because on the plus side as well, we'll talk about it when we get to the Giants. Daniel Jones is a new quarterback with Sterling Shepard on the field. So if the Giants can keep up, it's more passing for Carson Wentz. I think he's going to have a great game. Uh, how much do you think Carson, Carson Wentz's legs, though, come into play here? Because, it, you know, common sense, although, like, this is not something that I vetted or watched film on or anything. Common sense would say he didn't have his weapons, so he was running more. Now he gets his weapons back, opportunity for run, running lessons. Do you think that that's a, that's holds water? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily think so. I think you see a lot of quarterbacks who aren't runners run when games are tight. Cause at the end of the game, they usually gather, get those yards like drew lock last week against Atlanta. Start using your legs when you need to score and you're running a high tempo offense. So maybe that'll cause him to run, but he was already quarterback seven two weeks ago against the giants. And he only had 14 rushing yards. He doesn't need to run to put up numbers against them. Jalen Rager came back with a bang last week, caught a touchdown. How do you feel about him in this game? I think Rager, he's a, go ahead, Jay. Rager's a decent option. I don't know why we're skipping over Travis Fulgham. Don't worry, um, we'll get there. <laughs> I want to talk about Travis Fulgham. All right, fine. Go ahead. Because he's getting who needs a, too. Who needs a host, am I these right? Teams, these teams just come out of bye, bro, and people forget they exist. It's a little why, strange. Why should Travis Fulgham be ranked as a 25th wide receiver right now? I have him at 12, and I don't care if other people are coming back. He's established himself as the number one receiver on that team. He's had seven or more targets in four straight games. Even in the bad game once had against Dallas, he caught six for 78 and a touchdown. He's the best receiver on that team. Don't tell me about Alshon, old man, Jeffrey. I don't, I don't think, I don't know, Jason. I think that your, your, your um, stance of he's continuing to prove to be the number one guy, I don't know if that's the case because... He was the number one guy when Rager came back. Yeah, but so that was tell me. Rager, tell me. Rager has two games under his belt ever. You know, there's there's yeah. nothing that says that Jalen Rager can't take over that role eventually. And that Fulgham might start this year. All he's done is produce. Carson Wentz has been good when he targets Fulgham. And Ar- Alshon Jeffrey's not a real threat. I'm sorry. He's, I'm, I'm not talking about Alshon. I be, but I, you, can't, you can't say that Alshon Jeffrey's not a real threat either because he is. No, he's not. He man. is. Alshon Jeffrey is the slower version of A.J. Green at this point. He makes he brings them something that they don't have, and that's a goal line presence. And the same thing with Goddard. I feel like I feel like Rager will have all the opportunity in the middle of the field, and Fulgham will have. But then once you get towards the red zone, it's going to be Jeffrey and Goddard. The only thing Alshon Jeffrey brings the team is a fucking AARP card. Come on, with Alshon Jason, Jeffrey. with your jokes, you're on fire today. <laughs> Disrespecting the retired Jay. Come on now. Come on, we're on. It's, 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 oh yeah, Happy Veterans Day to all your you vets out there. It's irresponsible of irresponsible no, of us not to mention that yet. Um, all right, so Miles Sanders also on the way back. I mean, duh, you're playing Miles Sanders if he's back. Duh. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, the Giants are not great against the ground in general. Uh, they're not great. That ground, you know, it's a also, hard opponent. Also, they're the only team to allow over 500 receiving yards to opposing running backs this year. We saw Boston Scott catch a game-winning touchdown against the Giants last time they played against each other, uh, and Boston Scott ended as a top-12 play. If Miles Sanders is active, I expect him to have his full role. They basically sat him through the bye just to make sure he's fully healthy. They've been very cautious with him, even week one. Uh, nobody really thought he 
was going to miss time and then he ended up missing the first week. So I think they're really trying to play it safe with Sanders. So if he's a go, I expect him to be a full go. So I'm absolutely firing him up against the Giants. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Fire up Dallas Goddard. I feel like people are a little scared off by Goddard now because of that game, that one catch game against Dallas. But let's not forget like three weeks ago, how everyone loved Richard Rogers just because he's Philly tight end and you target Philly tight end. Except Dallas Goddard is actually a very good player and a very strong tight end. And he was running out of the slot a bunch too against Dallas. So yeah, start Dallas Goddard if you have him. Tim, do you not plan on having us speak about the Giants or what? Oh, did, did I did I say game? You said game. Oh, I meant team. Let's go over to the Giants. Um, J- Jason, you teased us. You tickled our pickle. You said Daniel Jones x Sterling Shepard equals fire. Explain to us. Ah, uh, yeah. Not necessarily fire, but Daniel Jones went from... Let's look at true values. He basically went from Tarod Taylor to Dak Prescott. That's how... What the difference is? I would been. say so, that's I would say that's a flaming fucking inferno. If I must say so myself, <laughs> I'd say so. Um, it hasn't necessarily turned into great, um, fucking fantasy production. Like the last three weeks, quarterback 11, 14, 24. So he's been streamable in two of the last three weeks. Uh, I just think that if the Eagles are lighting it up on one end. Daniel Jones is going to have to do something on his side. And it's not even necessarily that Daniel Jones is going to be good. I don't think you should start Daniel Jones. I think that at the moment, he's become more of a funnel quarterback to his two guys of Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. So I like Evan Ingram as a strong start. And I like Sterling Shepard as a strong start. And the rest of the guys can bounce. Can't agree with you more, Jason. Love, I love Evan Ingram this week. Um, also, Philly's been trash against the tight end. So I, I really love Evan Ingram this week. How do you feel about that, Mike? Yeah, Ingram's on the up and up for sure. Um, and Philly sucks against the tight ends, like you said, so I'm starting him. I do like Sterling Shepard a lot more than I do Darius Slayton. I think for whatever reason, Darius Slayton keeps being ranked higher than Sterling Shepard in ECR, uh, expert consensus ranking, which is mind-boggling to me. That's just stupid. Don't play Slayton over Shepard. Shepard's clearly the guy there. But the Eagles have only allowed, surprisingly, four top 24 receiver performances this year. Now, they haven't had the most difficult schedule like they played against Washington week one, uh, Dallas and Ben DiNucci prior to their bye, uh, Baltimore, who doesn't throw to their wide receivers often, San Fran without Jimmy G, uh, Jimmy G. So it's like they haven't played the most difficult schedule defensively, but they have been pretty solid against opposing wide receivers, which is why I'm not super high on Darius Slayton because, as always, you need Slayton. Slayton is basically... The better version of Marquez Valdez-Scantling at this point. Hmm. Like, you have to hope he scores a long touchdown. Otherwise, you're really risking a two- or three-point performance. So I, I'd certainly prefer Shepard, and Slayton is just a risky flex play, I think. Good best ball option. Um, so before we get into our next game, Jason, I noticed that you're wearing a, uh, a real nice fitted shirt there. It's making you look real snexy. Uh, why don't you tell us about it and uh, how you get I it? look so good in my <laughs> Manscaped shirt. Autumn is in the air and Manscaped is here. Kind of rhymes. To ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooving. And by pumpkins, <laughs> we actually mean your boys downstairs. 
In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. And I know we have a few um, international listeners. Aussie, Aussie, there. Aussie. What? Oi, oi, oi. Oh, right. So Manscaped has the lawnmower 3.0. Super quiet, super trim, super... Um, has a light it's easy to clean it's waterproof great stuff for doing the job down there to clean your pumpkins as the manscaped copy says <laughs> uh they also have a very comfortable shirt very comfortable boxers honestly my favorite pair of boxers right now and if you use code broto b-r-o-t-o you get 20 percent off and free shipping you can get anything we just mentioned with code broto b-r-o-t-o for 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com also don't forget while you are winning these championships, you're going to need a championship belt. And the best place to get a championship belt for your league winner is at PartyBelts.com. Don't waste your time on these gaudy-ass belts that you use one time and then you throw in the closet and you never see again. This belt is light. It is customizable. It looks dope. It's big. Um, and you can basically wear it anytime you'd like because it has some nice beer holders and you could serve your friends while serving your friends losses and if you go to partybelts.com and you put in the code broto that's b-r-o-t-o you get 15 percent off 15 15 percent off of your um of your purchase so please go to partybelts.com I mean, i'm telling you right now party the partybelts.com belt um is already so much cheaper than the other belts with so much higher quality, it's it's like the Costco of belts. You get everything cheaper, but for much higher quality, and you can buy it in in, in bulk because it's cheaper. Um, There's so, also yeah. last place loser belts now, which is always fun if you want to switch it up as well. And any belts like this. The reason that this this started is because it was over a bachelor party. You can literally customize it for anything. You got a sweet sixteen. Uh, you got a kid that loves wrestling. You can customize it to anything that you want. So partybelts.com, the official belt. Of the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, let's get into this next game. Real quick, though. Yep. With all that being said, you decided not to discuss Wayne Gallman and Devontae Freeman. Oh, so let me just right. say, if Devontae Freeman returns, I'm staying 100 miles away from this backfield because I don't know how it's going to play out because Wayne Gallman has actually played decently well. Yo, shout and out so to my boy Wayne Gallman, who honestly is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Every time this guy fucking gets the call, he produces every single time. And the only times he doesn't is when he gets injured. And he has that injury problem, so I get that. But, yo, Wayne Gallman, former Clemson Tiger, fucking underrated. And shout out to Wayne Gallman one time. Wayne Gallman <laughs> helped fucking seal my defeat last week. That he did. I started him against you in the, uh, the bye week frenzy and injury frenzy. But if Freeman comes back, because Alfred Morris has actually been playing well, too... Um, that's not someone I'm going to be targeting, so no thank you. But if Freeman's out again, Wayne Gallman becomes another low-end RB2 flex play who seems to find the end zone every time he's the lead guy, So, and he gets a ton of work. So keep an eye on Wayne Gallman as well. 144 font, capital G. How about that hey, one? Uh, Jaguars at the Packers is the next game on the lock it, dock it, fuck it. Um, Let's start with the Packers because this one's going to be pretty easy, right? Uh, against the Jag the Jaguars defense has been atrocious. It's been terrible. And you can't really blame them. They traded away all their good players, so now they're bad. Um, the Packers offense has been really good. 
uh, particularly Devontae Adams, who is literally lighting the league on fire. When he plays, he is remarkably, ridiculously disgusting and and dope. Um, Number one overall wide receiver potential every week, particularly in this matchup. Um, Also, you have the outside guys, right? You have the other guys. Aaron Jones, uh, if he plays, definitely going to be in that conversation. So, uh, we don't really got to talk about those two guys. We got to talk about the other guys because when you have a a situation like the Jaguars where they've been so kind and giving to the wide receiver position, you assume that another wide receiver is going to produce. Last week it was MVS. It seems like MVS only produces in games where you don't expect him to produce. So if we're going by that logic, MVS is definitely not going to be the guy this game. How do you guys like the Packers receiving uh, options now that I've talked for uh, way too long? I thought of something today. And I think it's correct. I'm not biased at all. I don't... So the Green Bay Packers have one of the highest implied totals in the NFL this week. So I love Devontae Adams. I love Aaron Jones. I'm not touching anyone else. And that includes Robert Tunyon. Really? Dude, MVS is basically the Robert Tunyon of four weeks ago. You just Robert Tunyon to MVS. Robert Tunyon had one game. One good game. And everyone was ready to crown him the next... Weekly tight end one. Calm down. He's not. He's had one good game in his life against Atlanta. Since then, he's had one game within the top 12 out of four. The difference, if you look at Marquez Valdez-Scantling, it's the same thing. He's not good. He doesn't have good games. What did he do last week? He had a top 15 performance. His first top 15 performance out of the last four. So, yeah, it'll probably be one of them. But Marquez Valdez-Scanling and Robert Tunney are running the same right now. And I don't want to start either of them. Any equanimous love? I'm actually... I'm going to go and take the Tunyon ride one more time this week because we all know you score a touchdown, you're a tight end one, period. The Jacksonville Jaguars have given up seven touchdowns to opposing tight ends, second to Atlanta. Uh, who has given up eight. They're the only two teams in the league to have given up seven or more touchdowns. So I'm rolling with Tunyon one more time if I need to. I don't hate him as much as Jason does. But, yo, we could we just take a second to recognize Devontae Adams' greatness? Just yeah. like a moment to recognize how ridiculously great mo- Devontae uh, Adams has been. Silence? A moment of greatness because, silence? Yeah, a moment of greatness silence. All right, let's do it. So good. Yeah, all right. That was, that was yeah. good. I mean, <laughs> three three weeks in a row now, he's been a top three receiver, and he's basically a lock for 30 fantasy points. Like, that's how good he is. And now he gets Jacksonville. So, yeah, just wanted to shout out Devontae Adams' greatness. All right. Uh, let's. Anyone else you want to talk about on the – well, obviously Aaron Rodgers here is – Keep an eye on Alan Lazard. I'm not going to start Alan Lazard. I'm not going to start him right away, but keep an eye on him. Um, Sorry, I, I got to cut you off. I, I Behind the scenes, we pressed pause on that. Something happened. Michael like kicked his wire, and he became chopped and screwed. Like, I don't know what happened to his voice right there. He's just like, it's like, yeah, I'm on the podcast. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, do you have any? What I was saying was I'm not going to start. What? Do you have any thoughts about this? <laughs> Go ahead. 
No, I mean, what do you want me to say? I accidentally kicked the damn wire and it made me sound like I was whatever. I can't even hear how I sounded. I guess I'm going to have to listen to the podcast and find out. But yeah, keep an eye on Alizar because he was great prior. So I'm keeping an eye on him. Um, I don't want to start him right away, though. Fair That's enough. All. Fair enough. Um, I would, I would, if Alan Lazard's back, I'm taking a chance on him. I think in this game, it's just a great matchup. So juicy. Like I mean, that's pretty damn risky, bro. The dead last in DVOA against the pass is the, are the Jaguars. They're worse than the Jets in terms of efficiency. Like, dude, got it. You got it. You, I want pieces in this game, and I'm gonna take the chance. Like, I'm willing to get hurt if Alan Lazard comes back and he plays, because Alan Lazard was phenomenal when he was playing this season so far. And the other guys haven't been able to fill that role, and we know that Aaron Rodgers likes his his number two guys. So, I don't know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers also a great play. Let's go over to the other side, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jake Luton. Yo. Give me all that loot, baby. Guy's killing it. It's a new one. Give me the loot. The loot. Give me the loot. I asked you about that earlier today. Good he's nice he's not going to kill it. He's not going to kill it against the Packers. Uh no, no, it would be it would be a lot harder to do that against the Packers. But three hundred and four yards and a touchdown is nothing to shake your head at. Uh any I think he rushed one in as well. And a rushing touchdown. Um is nothing to shake your head out in a in a debut, man. Like gotta yo, shout out to Jake Luton, man. That was dope what he did. Yeah, he's playing gluten free. I just don't think the Packers are gonna be a good matchup and I am fading Chark. TJ Chark's the number one fade of the week. If I write the sleepers bust article this week, DJ Chark will be my bust. Let me say something about DJ Shark real quick. Um, the PFF wide receiver cornerback chart, typically the person who has the worst matchup is like a bum just because they're ranked so badly, and DJ Shark is ranked pretty high, but he's still the worst matchup according to the chart because of how good Jair Alexander has been. Jair Alexander has averaged one or fewer catches in each of his last three games wow. against him. Yeah. That, that guy and if we look at Shark, look, the Jaguars, Keelan Cole's fallen off. LaVisca Chanel's hurt, man. I'll play. Chris Conley is doo-doo butter. Chark is going to get the Jair treatment. And I am not a big fan of fading people just because of the player. But Jair is playing like Prime Revis right now. So I'm fading Chark. He's a wide receiver three at best. Yeah, I unfortunately agree. It's going to be tough, tough pickings for him this week. James Robinson is the only one on that team that you're like confidently starting, in my opinion. Uh, Green Bay has been absolutely atrocious against the run, both on the ground and pass catching. And guess what? James Robinson does all of that for uh, Jacksonville. They've given up 11 rushing touchdowns. They've given up 473 passing yards to opposing running backs, which is second to only the Giants. And four pass catching, four receiving touchdowns to opposing running backs as well, which is second to only Detroit. So they've just been all around atrocious to uh, opposing running backs. And James Robinson does it all for Jacksonville. So unfortunately, I'm playing against James Robinson in our home league. I think he has some huge potential in this one, unless this becomes one of those games where Jake Luton is just a sixth round rookie. Green Bay absolutely dominates and they put up like three points which i could actually see happening as well if that happens that's the only way i see james robinson having a bad game i don't see him getting something funny i i don't even see him getting under 20 carries in that scenario just the way was, this was, offensive works like i don't even see that i was thinking about that matchup and i was like well mckinnon scored that garbage time touchdown and then last week dalvin cook went off against them 
So I was like, how many games in a row have the Packers giving up a rushing touchdown? A lot. To the running back. All of them, though. And I kept looking and looking until I ended up at week one. <laughs> they've given up a touchdown every game to a running back. Yeah, they've been horrible against running backs. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Chris Thompson got four catches, if that makes anyone feel good. Yeah, nope. see. <laughs> um, remember when I thought that, that before the James Robinson era that this could be Chris Thompson's, like, uh, Fournette, I mean, uh, Justin Forsett year? Womp, hey, man, womp, womp they're to thrown the to the running back. It's just not Chris Thompson. Yeah, I mean, who, who would have thought James Robinson would be the guy? It's like when you thought Royce Freeman was a good pick just because Philip Lindsay did well. What? Yeah, I'm a little confused by that statement. <laughs> you don't remember that when Tim, like... Oh, you're gonna t- you're, you're gonna t- you're gonna take me from the come on, come on, come on. Tell me, tell me what I said. Go ahead. You touted Royce Freeman, and then Philip Lind- that was a Philip Lindsay rookie year, and then the entire year you kept saying I was right though because the Denver running back was mad good. It was just oh, the wrong yeah. one. It's the classic. It's the classic. Uh, the process, right? Process greater. The than process the was great. Yeah, the process was right. Yeah, hey, it nah. was. Nah, that was some bullshit ass shit. You you just kept not taking the L. No, I'm not taking. I'm still not taking the L. Fuck you guys. It's JD McKissick week. <laughs> <laughs> Washington at the Lions. All right, so let's let's start with the Lions. I mean, with Washington. Um, let, let's get away from fantasy for a second. I just want to put this out there. They're two and six right now. But if Alex Smith can be the guy that he has been in the past, a game manager, no turnovers, decent production. I think this team could surprise some people and win some games down the stretch. I really do. Alex Smith the, is awful, man. And if the Eagles look, if the Eagles don't like pull away, which I think they're going to, Washington's going to be in the mix. I think. I think they're going to be a team that's going to surprise a lot of people in the second half. But with that being said, I'm going to talk about the Washington defense in just a second. Let's start with the main guy, and that's Scary Terry. Scary Terry. You you would think that an upgrade in quarterback to Alex Smith would be good for him. And he had a he had a big play uh, that saved his fantasy game last week. But I just don't see it for him. I liked him with Kyle Allen. I liked him with Dwayne Haskins. Even though those guys are bad quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins literally threw to him 14 fucking times a game. And Kyle Allen is decent. The dude turns the ball over a lot, but he can throw the ball. Like, he's a decent quarterback. Yeah. Alex Smith, I don't know what's going to happen. And he he has a history of not going deep to guys. So it, it's if you got Alex Smith and his accuracy and they end up peppering Scary Terry uh, 14 times a game and they give him those 14 targets that Haskins was giving him, then I love him. But I just don't see how there's a guarantee that he gets that type of work with Alex Smith as quarterback in it. And it, as someone who rosters him in a, a couple leagues, like I'm, I'm scared. Yeah, it's certainly concerning. Um, but I mean, we've seen Terry McLaurin basically do what he does, no matter who's at QB. Even last week at the Alex Smith, he ended up having a big game once Smith took over. Detroit is not the worst matchup. It's not the best matchup, but I mean, it's definitely not definitely not shying away from the the Detroit Lions secondary. No, for sure. I'm firing up Terry McLaurin, but just as it is. With Dwayne Haskins and, or as it was with Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen, there's always room for a bad performance because, I mean, even look at last week. He was in for a down game and then he caught that, what, like 60 yard touchdown, which he caught in between like three guys and somehow got out of that. If that didn't happen, he would have had a much worse game. You're, you're firing up Terry McLaurin 
easily. It's just you never really know. There's always a chance that it you kind of get screwed over because of the way that offense operates. Uh, what about this? Uh, I mean, there's no real other wide receiver to talk about here. So what about this? Back- no, shout out, shout out the Washington football team for always having random Sims on their team because the Sims that got work last week wasn't even Steven Sims. It was Cam Sims, the UDFA. So there's always going to be a Sims on the field. Sim- I shouted out, I shouted out Cam Sims as a zero percent rostered guy on our Patreon pod a couple weeks back for super deep leagues. Yeah, that would have worked out. It's because you're weird. <laughs> that uh, would have worked out. The backfield, 14 targets for JC Mc, JT Mc, uh, JD McKissick. I, That's the I, name. I, I His name again I is Mr. Plow. Uh, JD McKissick, yourself. 14 targets. 14. First of all, what the fuck? He ran 31 routes. That's what the fuck? That was number one in the league, too. Like, yo, what? And Alex Smith, this is what Alex Smith does. He did nothing with it. Like, he he didn't really do anything. In, in PPR leagues, he did something for you. But besides that, nothing. I mean, McKissick could be serious. This is what Alex Smith does. J.D. McKissick has played two games with Alex Smith. He's received 22 targets. Alex Smith peppered him with 14 targets last week. And then the game Alex Smith started, McKissick had eight targets. Antonio Gibson has played on one third down. All season, J.D. McKissick is the pass-catching back. It's so strange. And Alex Smith is going to throw to him. Yeah, I know. The converted wide receiver from college isn't getting work. Also, recent news, Antonio Gibson missed practice Wednesday with a shoulder injury. Yeah, he did. So if he's out, then McKissick is going to be running the ball. I expect Gibson to play. I just think that Gibson and McKissick are going to be closer than some people think. I have them close to my rankings. Um... Gibson is just more talented and he does more with the ball. Like they put up, he puts up more fantasy points than McKissick on so many less touches. And maybe Gibson played less last week because of this shoulder injury that we didn't know about. Um, That might explain it, but Detroit is a great matchup. So I'm starting both of them, Gibson and McKissick. I think McKissick's a solid back end RB2. You know, Detroit is actually giving up uh, the most touchdown receptions to opposing running backs with five. So I agree with you, Jay. Um, I'm a little surprised as to why people are still ranking Antonio Gibson as like a top 12 option. Like it's an early down back on a bad team at this point. So, yeah, kind of bugging out. I do agree that they're a lot closer than people think. Um, I want to go to my favorite play on Washington this week. Well, first, before I get there, Lance Thomas. <laughs> Lance Thomas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Logan Thomas. Fine, Logan Thomas. Lance Thomas was cool. He was the wide receiver has, for the Saints. He has two first names, but zero first games. Ew. Right? 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 No, definitely no. <laughs> for sure no. Definitely not right. DiGiorno. Wrong. Don't start Logan Thomas. Wrong. Man. Who wants four targets from Alex Smith? Unless Agreed. you're a running back. I'm not doing it. Even like Detroit gives up some touchdowns to opposing tight ends. I don't care. I'm not starting Logan Thomas with Alex Smith at QB. Just throwing the ball to only McKissick and McLaurin. No, thank you. Um, my favorite play on this, on this whole Washington team this week is the Washington defense. Um, Washington pass defense has shady, sneakily been the best pass defense in the league. 
That is because of their young five first-round pick defensive line that has been absolutely causing havoc in games. They're fourth in the league in sacks, least passing yards allowed in the entire league, 185. For some reason, if you look at their DVOA, it's, it's, it's incredible because they're top five or top ten in every single category, and then against tight ends, they're dead last. So of the 185 game, passing yards they're giving up a game, 58 of those are going to the tight end. So uh, the, the tight end, they suck. So I love TJ Hawkinson. Evan Ingram scored a touch, touchdown, which I predicted on the show last week, patting myself on the back, yay, 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 um, against them last week. The tight end, that, like I said, that's where they're vulnerable. I'm going to fade everybody else on the Lions unless Galladay comes back. I agree, Tim. I'm, I'm going to fade them all, like even DeAndre Swift. Dude, only one quarterback has thrown for over 300 yards against Washington this week. And then also if we're just talking about Matt Stafford, five of his next seven games are against top 10 defenses against the pass. So you can drop him. Like, unless it's a two-quarterback league, drop Stafford and go with someone else. So I don't like this matchup for Stafford. And Marvin Jones has been a touchdown-dependent play all week, all year. Uh, Danny Amendola might catch a few passes, but I don't really want much to do with him. And then DeAndre Swift has actually averaged almost 15 touches per game since the bye week. But the issue is that this isn't 15 Shanahan touches. It's not 15 Harbaugh touches. It's not 15 McVay touches. It's 15 Patricia touches. And DeAndre Swift, I feel like the hype the hype's getting a little out of control with him sometimes. Like his he's getting he's ranked too high for my taste as well. He's been good, but this is still a tough matchup. And if he doesn't find the end zone this season, he's been inside the top 30 once. So he's still a touchdown dependent option. Yeah, and he splits carries with AP still. He does a lot of his work through the air, and Washington has allowed the least receiving yards to opposing running backs this year. So number I'm going to have to agree with you guys. Number, I want to fade them all. Number one in DVOA against running backs this year. So, uh, so not only have they given up the least, they're also efficient in that category when adjusted. So, yeah. Anyone else you want to talk about uh, on the Lions? Nope. Don't start Adrian Peterson unless it's 2008. All right. Um, let's finish this off. That's it. Oh, man. We're not going to the next game. We That is all for the part one Feet. episode. It's time flies when you're having fun. I'll tell you that. Um, that is all for part one. Uh, Jason, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Jason. Michael? Brought off of Mike, but before we go, Tim, I do want to tell the people to download Thrive Fantasy if they have yet to do so. All right, go ahead. Um, Thrive Fantasy is a DFS prop uh, betting type site, well, fantasy props site, where you have to choose over, under on passing yards, uh, touchdown scored, receiving yards, things of that sort. You put in 20 bucks, join a tournament, you could win $1,000, things of that sort, similar to regular DFS tournaments, except this time you're choosing over-unders, so you don't have to deal with a salary cap and things of that sort. And if you are a new player and you use code BROTO20, B-R-O-T-O-2-0, and you deposit $20 or more, you get a deposit match up to 50 bucks. So free cash to use if you deposit with our money. So go ahead and, uh, with our code, BROTO20. So go ahead and do that and Go win some bucks. We've had some patrons have some success on Thrive Fantasy. Um, we've had some su- some success ourselves on Thrive Fantasy, so give it a shot. 
Yep. Uh, you can find me at BrotoFFTim. Uh, see what we did there. You can find us all at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter and Instagram. Go check us out on both those platforms. Um, BrotoFantasy.com is where you could find us. And again, we wanted to thank you guys for visiting BrotoFantasy.com and the, the unique visitors, the visitors uh, on every single section, every single page uh, is up tremendously. So thank you guys for finding your way to BrotoFantasy.com and taking advantage of the tools because our job and what we want to do is lead you guys to championships lead you guys to money uh so that you can buy some party belts and that we could all be happy uh so yeah that's what we are that's a that's our goal we want to lead you to championships and uh also thank you for checking us out also we have a new feature on the site fantasy points per opportunity excluding touchdowns from the great mind of at fantasy football underscore casanova that's his real last name by the way um santiago has been a brodo listener for a while he's now a contributor he's a ranker of ours you see him every week on the buy low sell high sleepers busts and he put this little doozy together and now we have it exclusively on our site it's very useful just to see how skilled a running back is um because touchdowns aren't always sticky and they inflate stats so it's good to see if this guy is good or not when not accounting for touchdowns and um for example todd Gurley is second to last in the statistic so take a look at it it's very useful uh yeah shout out to uh casanova who if you heard if you recognize the name he was one of the guest hosts on one of the recent episodes uh without the twins i think two weeks ago or three weeks ago so go check that out if you want to hear uh our brodo representative from south of the border uh santiago casanova with the best name in the game. Also, don't forget patreon.com slash brotofantasy if you want to support us and get extras, including access to the Discord, which is always popping, access to uh, an extra episode every week, and much, much more. Uh, don't forget we are coming back with part two with the rest of the games on the week. Part two. Um, part God, two. now i got to deal with that shit. Later. Peace.